The following podcast you're about to listen to is a review of The Prince of Egypt. While little thought or research has gone into the production of this podcast, we believe that this show is one way you could spend over an hour of your precious life. We do not strive to be true to the film's essence, values, or integrity as we mock the film for an audience of tens of people, mainly located in the Ohio River Valley. The Prince of Egypt can be seen on Hulu or rented on Amazon Video. The biblical story of Moses can be found in the Book of Exodus and Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but apparently DreamWorks forgot about those books, uh, and that those books are also about Moses because they didn't mention them in their little text introduction that I am parroting for you right now. For all their quote-unquote research they bragged about during the production of this film, it seems like a pretty blatant oversight to forget three out of the four books that focus on their main character, but I digress. Welcome to Rotten or Righteous. Allow me to introduce the guys that make minimal effort each week to bring you this show. First, we have a man who, if he had the money, I'll tell you what he'd do. He'd go downtown and buy a Mercury or two, because he's crazy about a Mercury. Of course, I'm talking about Scott Judge. That is a great song. Mm. If I had money, I tell you what I'd next, do. We have a, go downtown, next, we have a guy who you could set his truck on fire and roll it down a hill. And he still wouldn't trade it for a Coupe de Ville. He's got a six-foot bed that never has to be made, and he wants you to know that if it weren't for trucks, we wouldn't have tailgates. He met all his wives in traffic jams, <laughs> because there's something women like about a pickup man. Of course, I'm talking about Luke Taylor. <clears throat> That's true. Although I've never owned a pickup, I've only owned a Toyota Yaris. <laughs> and as for me, well, I want to ride my bicycle. I run. Or I want to ride my bike. I'm Zach Geiler. Thank you for joining us. This week we are reviewing the 1999 animated DreamWorks film, The Prince of Egypt. This movie claims that it is true to the narrative found in Exodus at the top of the story. And because it makes that claim of itself... Already my, I wouldn't say it's a red flag, but my eyes are open. When you say at the beginning we have done everything in our power to stay true to the narrative, except for some artistic and historic liberties, then you open yourself up to even more harsher criticism than you were would if you would just say, hey, uh, here's, our, uh, here's our version of the Exodus story. I believe it says that it is true to the essence of the story. Well, then I'm going to even watch it even... Which is not not the same as the exact narrative of the story. Okay, but then I'm going to watch it even harder because that's a cop-out. I'm true. Mm. Every morning, or every Sunday, I get up and preach a sermon that is true 
to the essence of what a preacher should preach. You, you would never say that. No, I wouldn't because that's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just <laughs> stand up and lie to him. <laughs> so basically, it opens up. It says that it's true to the essence. What do you hear when you hear the word essence, Luke? I hear es- essence. Estee Lauder commercials. When I, I, yeah, I, I also hear that. But essence is like just kind of the the overall feeling of the story. They're not saying it's 100% accurate. They're saying, ah, this is no one who knows the story is going to be mad at us. Well, they haven't met me. That's true. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I enjoy the way it starts out because, for one thing, the uh, Hebrew slaves, like we talked about last week, are not building the pyramids. But I believe they're. True, I noticed I believe that. they're building. I want to say Memphis. Was that? There's going to be a lot of typing in the background as I look up Egyptian historical facts, and I apologize. Okay, so apparently, Ramses or Ramesses uh, built Cantier would be his city, not Memphis. So, but but they're building this new giant elaborate city and as these uh, Hebrew slaves are working, they're being whipped by the the Egyptian slave drivers and then it opens up with a song where I, I really enjoyed this because the opening line is with the or with the salt of my sweat on my brow, Elohim, God on high, can you hear your people cry? That is the start of the Exodus, is the Hebrew people crying out to God. So already they're off to a good start here. They call God Elohim, which I liked, um, and they're crying out to him. Uh, no, I like in some of these songs, uh, they intermingle actual Hebrew. Um, for example, in this first song they sing... <laughs> My son, I have nothing I can give But this chance that you may live I pray we'll meet again If you will deliver But I, I actually went and translated that And you won't believe it The actual translation of that is um, Who lives in a pineapple under the sea SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> that was a prophecy of the. That was a prophecy what? of what they would see when they were crossing the Red Sea. Right, they would see SpongeBob. I I've been sitting on that joke since yesterday when I watched this movie, and I'm so excited I got to make it. Meanwhile, Pharaoh's sending in guards into uh, into Goshen, into where the Hebrews are staying, and they are taking baby boys away from their moms. And this scene is actually pretty terrifyingly violent for a kid's movie. I mean, obviously there's no blood or, mm-hmm. or gore or anything like that, but you see an Egyptian guard. The thing that got me and made me open my eyes is, is you see this Egyptian guard take his sword and raise it and swing it down, and it cuts right before he makes contact with the baby. Like, that's intense for a kid's movie. Yeah. It needs a little pre and post after it. I mean, you know, I mean, before and after to talk a little bit about what's going on, so the kids can understand. I mean, that would be true to the, you know, the killing of the, the killing of the uh, 
Uh, I mean, maybe instead of starting the movie out. bragging about how they're getting the essence of uh, Moses' story, they should have said, hey, Joseph came down to Egypt. You know, you watched that movie last week that was pretty much word for word the scriptures. And, uh, and um, you know, different Pharaoh rose up, and he wasn't too kind to the Hebrews. I mean, there's, there's, you're just thrown straight into baby murder. Yeah, it's, let me interject here real quick, too. It was interesting to me throughout the movie what they spent more time on and what they spent less time on. And they could have done a little better job of maybe explaining what was going on there. Because it's that is an integral part of, to me, the, the Exodus stories that from the very beginning. I think that lives. DreamWorks, when they made this, were counting on their audience being Christian going into the film. Yeah, I yeah. thought the same thing. But if you have such a star-studded cast as they have, I mean, Val Kilmer was big in the 90s, although I do think this film killed his career. Um, you have Ralph Fiennes. AKA, who is that about? You have all these, <laughs> you have Steve Martin, you have Martin Short, you have all these great actors and actresses in this film, and you're going to draw a crowd outside of the faith based demographic. All of a sudden, Scott, are you clicking on something? You're playing on your phone, aren't you? I can hear no. the vibrations. <laughs> no. I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Didn't do anything. Um, you're going to draw people into <laughs> this story from outside the faith-based demographic. You need to give them a chance, or else you're just proving what they already think about the Old Testament right, that it is just this ultra-violent uh, book, if you don't give them the, the background leading up to it. Well, but the Egyptians are enemies. I mean, I was trying to think of that, how I would view that as if I didn't know the Exodus story. Like, I would just see the Egyptians as, like, the evil people who are killing the babies, and I feel like that would probably be enough to, like, at least give you a gist of, like, where we're going, right? God's people are fighting against the evil Egyptians. They murdered their children because they were they were growing too strong. Like, it's probably, not, it's probably not the best introduction, but I feel like it's somewhat sufficient if you have to choose... You know, if you got to fit this thing into an hour and a half. Okay, they fit this thing into an hour and 45 minutes runtime. It is the longest cartoon I have ever seen in my life. Cut out 10 minutes of the three and a half hour long chariot race scene and just put a little bit <laughs> of supposition. That's all I'm asking. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have hurt the movie. It really wouldn't have. But as they are going around, the, the Egyptians are going around murdering babies. Uh, there's one family, led by the matriarch Yakoved, who is going to put her baby in a basket and just kind of shove it in the river and hope for the best. Which that's not what the Bible says happened, but whatever. Um, but she's essence. She sings, River, O river, flow gently for me. Such precious cargo you bear. Do you know somewhere he can live free? River, deliver him there. So she's praying to this river right before she goes to, like, the Allah prayer that she does in the background of this entire river scene where it's just... <laughs> But 
she's she's talking to that river and she's like hey will you be gentle and the river goes nah not gonna do that bro sorry because this basket is immediately swept down almost eaten by crocodiles assaulted by hippos caught in a fishing net smacked by oars and then hit by a boat how is moses alive it's a good question <laughs> and, then, and then after he's finally swept in although he has undoubtedly severe shaken baby syndrome there's no way he didn't have that <laughs> He's swept in and then picked up by the queen, Queen Taya. Uh, that's not true. He's picked up by the princess of Egypt, but whatever. We cut her out for time. Essence. I'm gonna. I'm, Essence. I'm gonna take your voice clip right there and put a little echo on it and make it sound like one of those. <laughs> make it sound like one of those. Essence. Essence by Luke. Has that's not bad. Basket. Can you actually say that, Luke? Can you say essence by essence. Luke? Essence. Essence. I don't know. I don't know the right voice. Essence by Luke. Oh, he can work with this. And then you just gotta get do like a close up of your face, and you have to say something stupid that has nothing to do with perfume. <laughs> like you have to go. <laughs> you have to go. Crocodiles in the Nile. Not today. Essence. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. By Luke. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey rolling his burger booger in the front of a Lincoln. <laughs> You know why? You know why I love driving a Lincoln? Because they pay me to do it. (laughs) We're on the open road. All right, all right, all right, Lincoln. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Miriam is watching from the shore and sees that uh, Moses is safe, and she sings, "Brother, you're safe now, and safe may you stay." For I have a prayer just for you. Grow, baby brother. Come back someday. Come and deliver us too. She turns into the godfather right there. Hey, Moses. Moses. I saw that you got saved. By Queen Daya. On the day of my daughter's slaughter. Maybe, uh... Because I did this favor for you. You do me a favor someday. Grow up. (laughs) Maybe liberate us from slavery. All right, Moses. You're a good kid. Grow up. I mean, <laughs> she means a little intense there, going, hey, baby, baby Moses, infant Moses. <laughs> we saved your life. You better save oh. ours. You better. <laughs> and then it's kind of sad for me. Oh, I do want to go back real quick. Um, when Yaakov puts Moses into the basket, Moses reaches up and grabs her finger. I straight up cried right there. Did you really? I cried. Yeah, because I was thinking of Joseph and how he grabs my finger when we go for walks and stuff. And I was like, what if I put him in a little basket? Put him in a river. And then I thought, well, obviously, Zach, that's dumb. CPS will come and take him away. Um, <laughs> you will not have a child if you do that, first of all. You know what your defense <laughs> is, I did... though? You just go, <laughs> Essence by Luke. Essence <laughs> by Luke. Queen Taya picks up this baby. And... Um, when she picks up the baby, Ramses is standing next to her, and he's like, Mommy, and he reaches up, and his mom is like, uh-uh, you're old news, kid. We got this new baby now, <laughs> and she just walks, and she just walks straight past him. <laughs> yep. Sorry, son. She's like, come on, Ramsey, I found this little gutter baby. You, I don't love you anymore. <laughs> That's why he's never the favorite again. 
And then, boom. 40 years have passed. And we've got a tough couple of 17-year-old looking 40-year-olds racing (laughs) on chariots. I mean, this movie turned into Fast and the Furious Egyptian Drift real quick right here. They are going down alleyways, putting innocent civilian lives in danger, destroying infrastructure and scaffoldings and knocking noses off of statues, which DreamWorks probably thought they were real clever when they're driving their their, uh, chariots around and they knocked the nose off of of a sphinx-like statue. And so we go, oh, that's how they did it. Yay, good job, DreamWorks. No, no, that's dumb. Stop doing that, DreamWorks. Um... (laughs) How do you know? How do you know they didn't do it? Moses might be responsible for that. Maybe, uh, but here's my biggest problem with this: Why were there sparks flying out of the horses' hooves every time they braked? That's not how horseshoes or horses work. Why not? Because I'm pretty sure if you're driving fast enough, that when you brake, it sends a shower of sparks like a train jumping a track from your horses' hooves. All their legs break and they die. I think we may have to consult Mythbusters. I do have a question about this, though, as I'm watching it. Uh, who has a bigger forehead, Pharaoh or Donny Osmond? <laughs> it's a push. Well, it is Voldemort, so... Well, to be fair, Pharaoh is um, bald, except for some weird little side ponytail thing that he has going on there. It's like he has a rat tail growing out of the side of his forehead. <laughs> it's his Jedi Padawan hairstyle. But as they are racing, they uh, eventually, well, they just basically break everything. Break this entire temple they're trying to to build, or his father's trying to build. And that's not good for anybody. And then um, we move on to the next scene. They're in front of Pharaoh Seti I. And Seti is like, guys, Why? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do this to me? And they're like, come on, Dad. YOLO. And then Seti's like... <laughs> that was my favorite part of the entire movie, too, by the way. When Moses kind of went, YOLO. And he's, Seti's like, listen, Ramses, you're supposed to be Pharaoh after me, my dude. You can't be doing stuff like this. You're going to destroy tradition. And Ramses says, one damaged temple does not destroy centuries of tradition. And then Seti's like, but one leak or one weak link can break the chain of a mighty di- dynasty. Everybody in the whole throne room is like, oh, snap. Oh, I'm sorry, Ramses. You need some ice for that burn? Too bad. We live in ancient Egypt. Ice isn't available. Oh. <laughs> All four people in the room. And so, Ramses walks away, because his dad's being mean, and then Moses is like, listen, Pops, stop being so hard on my bro. It was me. It was my fault. Instead, he's like, Moses, I I love you the best. You know this ever since we found you, my little gutter baby. I would like to know more of the relationship between Pharaoh and um, 
yeah. in Moses because, like, in this movie, you see that, like, it's very hard on Moses to, to do this mm-hmm. to his brother and then to all of Egypt, the place where he used to love. And the biblical narrative, like, doesn't give us a lot of insight into that. I'd be interested, like, if there still was some kind of connection like, when he went back down relationship between there there had to have yeah, there yeah, had yeah. to have been there had to have been well i mean he could have hated his brother i mean his brother might have hated him or something yeah, and they but didn't get along the bible tells us that moses grew up knowing the traditions this is where they mess up because we know that yakov uh breastfed moses and worked as his nanny growing up so he still knew his mom um so he still knew he was a Hebrew. It wasn't some just happenstance, but we'll get to that little bit of stupidity in just a moment. But it said he knew that he was a Hebrew, but he also knew he was a prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. He was educated by the Egyptians. So I don't have any problem with this conjecture that Moses and Pharaoh and or Ramses and Seti would have had this type of relationship this loving relationship because it does seem like you know moses was raised to be an egyptian yeah. he walked like an egyptian talked like an he egyptian. talked like an egyptian <laughs> must have been a duck that's one thing out of the movie that really prompted a lot of thought on my part as well exactly what you're saying luke is the Bible doesn't say much, but what kind of relationship would they have? And I was fascinated with the relationship they had as young, uh, as they were younger boys growing up, the mischief that they got into. And then, of course, the scene for later on in the show, when, when Moses gets back down there, you know, their perception was Pharaoh's just ready to totally forgive him and welcome him back, you know, after being gone. But that, that would be neat to know all the ins and outs of, of how that developed before he left and then what it was like after he came back. Because I never, I never assumed, particularly yeah. that after he came back, that it would be friendly, and this doesn't portray that at all. That, that they were angry with each mm-hmm. other in the beginning. Well, Scott, now I understand why you called me earlier and said that you were torn about this movie. It made you think. I know. We all know how much you hate doing that. <laughs> it's been a struggle all day. Uh, so Moses tells his dad, listen, Ramsey's, he wants your approval. He, he wants Leonard Nimoy's approval, because that's who voices Seti, Leonard Nimoy, Spock himself. He's like, listen, Leonard, uh, can I call you Leonard? <laughs> um, he just wants your approval. Why don't you just give him a chance? Him, and his father's like, I, let him live long I, and prosper. I see you. I see you, Amosis. You know, I, I learned that in a history class I was taking when I went to college one time. Um, <laughs> uh, I was going through ancient history, and one of the pharaohs before Seti was, uh, one of the pharaohs of the new dynasty that came in after Joseph, his name was Amosis. And so the name Moses, he could have been named after one of the older pharaohs, mm-hmm. which kind of goes to show that his relationship to Egypt was closer than maybe we think yeah. about. Moses goes and checks on Ramsey, who is having a having a pity party because he's the wink, weak link of the chain. I do like this kind of interaction, this brotherly interaction right here. Ramsey goes, the weak link in the chain. That's what he called me. And then Moses goes, well, you are pretty pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'd say to my brother. <sighs> You'd be like, yep, not then, much more you can say they, about that. <laughs> and then they kind of they ruin that joy because... 
I don't know if you guys realize that by now, I really hate on-the-nose foreshadowing or on-the-nose, hey, we really want to drive this message home and make sure that you don't miss yeah. this because they're having this conversation and Ramsey goes, irresponsible, ignorant of traditions. He practically accused me of bringing down the dynasty. And then Moses goes, yeah, I can see it now. There go the pyramids. He laughs. You can laugh about it, says Ramses. Statues cracking and toppling over. The Nile drying up. Single-handedly, you will manage to bring down the greatest kingdom on earth to ruin. Wow. I don't know about you, but my eyes were watering. It was so on the nose. I don't know what your issue is with that. I just don't like it. I mean, are you are you making a movie for little kids? Well, then cut back on the baby murder. And then I can understand why you're spelling this out. Like, if you were advertising to six-year-olds. Okay, great. They need this spelled out. But you're making a pretty dark movie. Um, maybe trust your audience to be able to infer without coming out just directly and saying, Hey, Ramses, huh? you're going to be it. You're going to be the one that destroys Egypt. <laughs> this is a kid's movie, though. Yeah, well, so was Joseph and the Amazing Dreamcoat, but... And, no, it was not. That was a pedophile movie. Um, if... If you don't know the Bible story, like, you would need that to connect the dots, I think. It would be helpful, at least. And then they, did they just, after they're getting done with this conversation, did they throw a chamber pot on the heads of his dad's magicians? No. It's, yeah. it's wine I'm, they, or they dumped juice it. or yeah. something. I'm pretty sure. Who puts a chamber pot on the balcony of a... Uh, so they're running late to a banquet. <laughs> And uh, they get there, and Ramses is just named Prince Regent. So he's now responsible for overseeing all the temples. And uh, Moses goes up to the magicians, Hoi and Hotep, which are voiced by Steve Martin and Martin Short, and probably their worst role ever. They, they are not good at voice acting in this movie. What? No, they're not good. I'm sorry. I thought they were terrible, except for their song, which comes up later. I thought they were terrible. That was a good song. Um, and so Moses goes up to kind of provoke these high priests and says, maybe you want to offer tribute to the new regent. And they go, hey, how about the Midian girl? And I go, well, hold on just a second, Hoy and Hotep. You weren't planning on giving an offering to the prince re regent here. What was going to happen to that? Why do you just have a Midian girl on, on tap? I mean, I've heard of people keeping, like, Christmas presents or stuff wrapped in their trunk in case they see someone they weren't expecting. Like, you just got a girl sitting there on tap? That's weird. That's gross. Stop it. Ew. Midian Nasty. girl on tap. So they do a bunch of hocus-pocus and sugary-pokery and then abracadabra, zippity-doo-dah, a pretty girl appears on the back of a camel. <laughs> and Hotep's like, hey. <laughs> hey, you want this girl? <laughs> It's, it's so it's so wrong. This whole scene just made me uncomfortable. They're like, hey, got this girl, you want her? You want her, it's yours. Here's her leash. And then he's like, oh, Midian girl. And then he does the... Everybody knows that if you come up to a strange pet, you don't put your fingers near their mouths. Because that's exactly what he does. And he just goes up like my two-year-old son did to a stranger horse, and I had to pull him back to save his fingers. He's going straight towards the mouth. And she she bites, she snaps, and he pulls back, and he's like, oh, look at you. I know, I'll give you to Moses. Mo he likes when the girls bite. Ew, vomit, gross. This is a cartoon for kids. 
And so Ramses is like, hey, Moses, look, I've got like five, six girls tied up in my room already. Why don't you take this one? (laughs) 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 And Moses is like, I... It, but but the the girls, she's not having it. She's like, I'm not gonna be giving to nobody, especially to someone that's pampered like you, you bratty little Moses. And Moses like, hey, don't talk to me like that. That's not nice. I'll tell my mom. And then she's like, I don't care if you I'll tell, tell your my mom. mom. I ain't scared of your mom. His mom's basically on the Midian girl's side anyway. And so, um, well, Moses pulls on a rope and lets it go and. She falls into a lake, and Ramses is like, or, or in a, she falls into a uh, fountain, and Ramses is like, <laughs> gross, get her cleaned up, and take her up to Moses' room, and I'm like, this is gross, please stop this, this is a kid's movie, I don't want to think about the implications here. So Ramses has this poor girl taken up to her room, and then he makes Moses... The royal chief architect. Nice Everybody's happy. Uh, the the slave girl's taken away. He gets a little bling bling. And Moses goes up to his bed. And in his bed is the most detailed silhouette of a naked girl I have ever seen in a kid's movie. <laughs> no, but it, it is. It, it looks like the back of a dirty trucker's mud flap is sitting in his bed. You're right. Okay, I'll give you that. But he pulls back the flap, and there's Glorious Leachman tied to the bed. (laughs) And he notices a rope hanging down from his window. And so Moses follows the rope and then distracts the guards, helping the young slave lady escape. And so he follows Zipporah as she's escaping the city, and she co- he comes to a well where uh, a girl, who we learn is Miriam, his sister, is giving her some water. And then one thing I do want to say is that whenever these people want to get a camel or a horse moving in this movie, they turn into Tom Brady every time. You want your camel moving? What do you say? Hut, hut. Every time. That's the camel. That's the camel noise. You know, you like tick at your horse. Like, if you have a camel, you go hut hut. Everyone does that in Saudi Arabia, right? Of course. Um, so he's following that, and then uh, Moses or following that, following this woman. She has an individual person, Zach. Um, and uh, Moses runs in to 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 Miriam, and Miriam She's has excited. no chill whatsoever. She sees Moses for the first time. She's like, hey, I knew it. I knew God sent you to protect us. And Moses is like, who are you? Hebrew woman? Aaron's there, played by the wonderful, but sadly very underutilized voice talents of Jeff Goldblum. How do you have Jeff Goldblum in your cast and only give him like six lines in the whole movie? But but Miriam's like, I knew you cared about my freedom. And then Aaron's like, Miriam, do you want to get, get us flogged? Yeah, that is, it is an interesting scene because Miriam is just excited and she's just, she's ready to have Moses be the savior and Aaron is just uh, scared to death, scared to death. 
Well, I would be scared to death, too, if the third most powerful person in the entire country is there, and my sister's going all... It's my buddy. Hey, look who it is, the savior of Egypt. Because they're not setting up the fact that Moses knew he was Hebrew. See, if you go to the account... Do we know that he knew he was Hebrew? He was the, raised no, by... No, the text, the text tells us in the New Testament that when Moses goes out and he kills the Egyptian, mm-hmm. he went out with the express intention to liberate axe. the Hebrews. He says that he, he assumed... So Miriam's like, hey, you're our savior. Moses is like, nah, nah, I'm not. She's like, yeah, you are. And he's like, hey, keep saying that. You're going to get in trouble. And then she's like, I'm not I'm going to keep saying it. I'm not scared of you, Moses. And then he's like, all right, don't say I didn't warn you. And then he turns to go, and Miriam sings the lullaby that Yaakov sang to Moses as she put him into the basket. I have a very big problem with this scene. Are they trying to say that a three-month-old infant has the ability to hear a lullaby sung 40 years later indicated in the movie and immediately recognize it was from yeah, their I, mother I, I noted that, that they as well. have never seen in the past four decades he could have dreamed about it no that that's that, that's re- it's ridiculous to think that the baby uh, or that that one song uh, immediately causes Moses to be able to recall a lullaby that was sung by his mother to him I when he was three months scene. I thought old. It was touching. I'm sorry, that is dumb. What? Maybe it was divine. Maybe he divinely remembered. Yeah, it was touching something. Um. <laughs> Are you not going to respond to my rebuttal? It fits maybe, the movie maybe well. Maybe it was. It that. wasn't, but maybe it was. Uh. <laughs> So again, Miriam turns in. So Miriam turns into the Godfather again. She's like, "Hey Moses, remember that favor I did for you when you were three months old as baby? It's been forty years. Time to pay it back. Time to free your people." <laughs> so, I've never seen the Godfather, so I have no idea what you're talking about. So Moses runs away, and then. I don't like this entire scene. The song is terrible. The lyrics are bad. Now I am home among my trappings and belongings I belong. Duh. Now I'm sitting in my chair in front of my TV and I sit in my chair. Yeah, that's where you sit. That's your chair. It's He's singing about his home. Yeah, I get that. It's still dumb. Uh... And then he's going through this whole existential crisis, and Val Kilmer cannot sing. He's not a good singer, which surprises me because he played Jim Morrison amazingly well in in the Doors movie, but in this movie, he is bad. He is not a good singer. And why? Um, he He did not sing. I don't think he sang his part. It sure does sound like him. Amic Byram. Oh, not Amic Provided Moses' singing voice. Amic Byram. I have, so if you hate him. I have all of his albums at the Shell Bowl. Something that's what they'll Amic call this Ra- show, Byram Unplugged. Rotten Righteous Unplugged. Amic Byram Essence by Luke. <laughs> <laughs> that album. <laughs> it's, 
<laughs> if nobody has called for our cancellation now at 16 episodes. <laughs> and yet we still keep getting pop more and more popular. <laughs> so, and then he goes through this whole existential crisis thing where he comes across this wall of hieroglyphics and it it kind of implies that it's a dream because the hieroglyphics come to life and he sees the Egyptians grabbing the babies and then just carrying them like footballs up to the alligator pit and just tossing them into that and it turns red, which again, whoa, pump the brakes there. This is for kids. This is terrifying. But then he's standing there underneath a, a hieroglyphic wall of it's like a waterfall of babies down into the alligator pit and Moses is kneeling in front of it going this is messed up and then Pharaoh's like hey yeah. how about a little philosophy lesson that was very intense you gotta do what you gotta do for the greater good and he smokes a cigarette and walks away like whoa hold on there that's a yeah, little intense your people don't matter but can why yeah, I, I, just slaves. I don't buy. They're just slaves. That's what he says. But why would? Hey, listen, honey. Uh, I'm trying to think of a uh, something to put on this new wall, some sort of decoration. This looks a little bit bland. I don't know. Maybe a. A nice mural of your sons growing up? I was thinking about that. Or uh, that time I killed a bunch of babies. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go with the baby murder. Get the get the royal chiseler in here. Have him start chiseling away the hieroglyphs of the baby murder so everyone can see. I, I don't buy that, that he has that in the temple. I'm not playing that game. If they wrote their history on the walls. Yeah, but they also redacted some of their history. Don't you think they... Yeah, but it would have been a sign of the power of Egypt. They had suppressed the growing hordes of the heathens. I don't... I like the baby scene. <laughs> Hold on a second. You liked the baby scene. Yeah, I like... <laughs> I like the baby... <laughs> Try that again, Luke. I don't... I don't... So, I mean, I grew up watching movies. I grew up watching movies like this and reading the Bible. I don't know that I feel like it's too graphic for kids... Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like a lot of the stuff they watch today is too watered down as far as just the way that reality is. And this is the Bible story. So it's like there are evil people in the world and kids need to know that. And they don't represent those evil people as being good. They represent them as evil and Moses and God are going to punish them for being evil. Uh, I'm just saying maybe your thoughts will soften a little bit when you have a child because I thought the same thing. Like, whatever, he's going to have to learn. What I'm saying is my stance on this has softened in the two years since I became a father. Where, you know, I'd be playing games like... Well, like when Joseph was an infant, for example, he's not going to remember a lullaby that I sang him at three months old. So he's also not going to remember when I'm playing Call of Duty in front of him and shooting a whole bunch of people. However, as he got older and I start to see that he understands things and I don't want him emulating violence, I don't let him see me play violent video games or watch violent TV shows. I want to protect him and his innocence from that world for as long as possible because every child deserves that innocence. 
I'm not going to throw him into the Prince of Egypt at 4, 5, 6 and say, hey, guess what we're learning about today? Genocide. C.S. Lewis has this quote about um, telling kids stories about good and evil. And I don't know if you've ever seen that. I can't remember the exact quote, but he talks about um, we should let our kids grow up watching or uh, reading stories about good and evil that are maybe fictional so that when they grow up, they at least have a comprehension of like the heroes that they want to be. And I, I agree with that quote a hundred percent. And you know what? There are bad people in movies like Coco. Uh, the person he thought was his grandfather turns out to be the villain. Spoiler alert for P- Coco for Pixar. There's there's villains in Toy Story like the evil teddy bear. There's there's villains in all these movies that they can watch. There's conflict in all these movies where they can learn the difference between good and evil. I think that they are or that DreamWorks, who always had this problem of trying to be edgier than Disney. DreamWorks wants to be the edgy Disney, the edgy kids entertainment. You don't believe me? Watch Shrek. I mean, that's a kids movie too, and yet there are uh, uh, euphemisms and even a few cuss words in there. Not that it's terrible, but it it's there. I think that I think that they're going too far with showing this and then saying this is a kids movie. Uh, so the next day, Ramses is. All man, his daddy gave him a position. He's feeling all awesome. He's like, I'm gonna make this temple even better than my dad's. You'll see, I'm Ramses' dog. And Moses comes up and he's like, I gotta talk to Ramses, he's my brother. And as he's going up, he he hears uh, an Egyptian slave driver uh, whipping up on a whipping up on a defenseless Hebrew slave. And Miriam's like, hey, stop it. And Moses is like, hey, that's my sister, I think, maybe. I better go and stop this. And then he goes and tackles this dude, and he falls four stories on a scaffolding and dies. And everybody's like, I can't believe that happened. And I went, you tackled him off of a four-story scaffolding. What did you think was going to (laughs) happen? It's sand. It's soft. He landed on some some spikes that were just conveniently there. Can, I, I want to say right here, too, this movie, I had to start it like six times because to me it drug, drug so much in the very beginning. I want to point out, in Exodus 2, 1 through 10, we have the birth of Jesus. Or the, wow. The birth of Moses. <laughs> in Exodus 2, 11 through 15, we had the killing and the fighting. So you've got 15 verses that deal with all 50 minutes of what we have just talked about. No, even it's even <laughs> the vast majority of the Exodus story they spend so little time with. When, so when Moses gets into or is in the well at uh, Midian, and we'll get to that in just a second, that is the 45 minute mark because I wanted to mark that down. 45 minutes of an hour okay. and 45 minute story is spent. So I'm a little off. Getting them still took Midian. a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. So we could have cut so much of that stuff out, and added a little supposition at the beginning. So, yep, Moses is like, "Oh no, I can't believe that guy died." Even though I tackled him off a four-story scaffolding, what a surprise! That's like shooting some dude in the face and going, "Oh no, I can't believe that guy died." I just shot him in the face. Well, what did you think was going to happen? Come on, Moses. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and 
with the biblical account, doesn't it say that Moses looked around to see that no one was watching, although he was fooled by that because there were a couple people watching, and he did the killing then? No, he was... The and then he fled wrong. because he was... And, and the implication is he fled because he was afraid of Pharaoh. He was afraid yeah, that he well, was going to die. But then, Yeah, but then Ramses is like, hey, bro, don't worry about it. I kill people all the time. Who cares? That yeah, guy named Steve? This. Whatever, I'll send a couple of uh, rhubarb pies over to his missus. <laughs> See, I feel like the movie plays out like I would think that the narrative would play out. Because that would be... Because the text says in the Bible that Pharaoh sought to kill Moses because he had done yeah. that. And I've always been like, why? Because, I mean, he's a prince of Egypt. I'm sure they kill people all the time, right? So mm -hmm. my in my mind, I'm like, I feel like it should have played out like it played out in the movie. But then the Bible says that Pharaoh wanted to kill Moses after he killed the guy. And so it makes me, that's a lot of what makes me wonder, like, what was the relationship between well, Moses and Pharaoh and, and his brother? I go back to Acts 7. He knew that he was supposed to be Hebrews' deliverer. How do we know that Moses never brought that up? Like, they were getting sick of, of Moses talking about being the deliverer of the Hebrews around the palace, and then he goes out to, yeah. to, to Goshen and, and ends up killing an Egyptian, and that's the last straw. That would make yeah. more sense to me than this whole uh, incident where, where Moses is running away going, hey, I just killed a guy. Ramsey's like, I killed three guys this morning. It's fine. It's cool. And then uh, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm Pharaoh. I'll I'll, I'll make sure that uh, everything is 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 just it's tight, bro. It's cool. No worries. We'll take care Moses of it. is like, yeah. no, you don't understand. I gotta leave. And then he just walks away into the land of the sharp rocks with no provisions. Why None. does he go? Not even a not even water. Why, why does he go into the land of the? Sh <laughs> I, I mean, I. You talk about picturing it in your head. I've pictured the Sinai Peninsula many times. And I've even pictured Midian plenty of times. There's a lot of mountains. I've seen pictures of it. It does not look like a Gillette failed blade dumping ground where it's just nothing but razor blades popping up out of the ground. Um, it might. And so Moses is walking and he... Stepped on a pop top and blew out his flip flop. <laughs> Can I just say this scene is not? It is impossible to top the Ten Commandments version of this scene with like the ten minute monologue where Charlton Heston is walking through the desert on his way to Midian. Have you seen that? Spo That's the best scene. Spoilers. It can never. <laughs> I've never seen the Ten Commandments. You mean to tell me what? It was better than know. the sandstorm it's... that buried. His entire being, with the exception of the yeah. top of his head. <laughs> Let's talk about that just for a second. Hurt. So he's like, oh no, my flip-flop is broken. Then a stand, sandstorm Wait. comes in, and then he's standing there like Jack on the bow of the Titanic, just letting the sand envelop him, going, oh, I deserve this. The the, fact, the biggest the biggest issue I have here is that you've never seen Ten Commandments. I know it. Like what? It is. How have we not reviewed that movie? I just. We need to do that movie next. No, I'm not. We can't do Prince of Egypt and then Ten Commandments. We can compare them. No. Uh, anyway, I'll, you, I'll, need, you need to see I'll that put movie. It, and, I, I, and you need, I will make I will make the Ten Commandments after the next movie. So Scott, have you seen Ten Commandments? I haven't. I haven't. Scott, probably Scott, you know what? I've what? Seen, I have. Scott is have, so, so old that he saw it in person. Talking about. 
So yeah, I was there. I'm. <laughs> he was in the desert. No, we'll oh, we'll oh, fine. We need to we'll, we need to do. It's on the list. I'd like to Zach, do. Have uh, you maybe ever we'll been to the. Maybe we'll save it for just, December because I want to do "It's a Wonderful Life" for our quote-unquote Christmas show because I've never seen that either. And maybe we'll do Ten Commandments" and "It's a Wonderful Life." He was being yes, yeah, he's he's on his knees like his old his old life. Like he's on the front of the Titanic saying, "I'm flying, Jack. I'm flying." But can we before the sandstorm hit? Can we just talk about how the movie illustrates his? total rejection of being an Egyptian and going straight into this nomadic life of a shepherd in Midian. He rips off a wig that I didn't know he had on until that moment. He just rips his wig off. His wig is revealed. Like he's Liza Minnelli at the end of a show. His interaction with Ramses earlier. You know he has a wig on. Oh, I know because I read it in the script, but I did not see that. But so for me... The first introduction to his wig was him kneeling on the sand, sand and just going, I'm done with this, and tossing it away. <laughs> and then it disappears. What if that is how we recognize people or our jobs or positions in life is the hairstyle wigs that we have on? <laughs> like, like, oh, look, he's got a spiky fauxhawk, youth minister, right there. <laughs> <laughs> When he moves over to a side part, you know he made it to a regular minister. <laughs> it's so true. Side part in a blue leisure suit. Side part of goatee and <laughs> You either have to have a goatee or really weird glasses. That's how you know you made it as a real minister. Um so yeah, Moses is completely buried in sand. Well, he should be dead again. Yep, yep. Um, then a camel comes and eats a big hunk of his hair. That's sticking up out of the ground like he's a rutabaga getting ready to be harvested. <laughs> Just... Hum. Ow. And then... After he blows out his flip-flop and steps on a pop-top and cut his heel and had to cruise on back home, he uh, he goes and to Midian. There's some, some little girls there. And he saves the little girls from some bandits that were trying to take their livestock away. But, of course, um, as is in line with the biblical account, when he was done with that, he fell backwards and into a well. Mm-hmm. And then who would come and save him? Well, it's none other than Slave Girl. Anyway, she comes up and starts pulling the dude out of the well. Pulling the dude. Pulling Moses out of the well. And she's like, oh, hold on a second. I immediately recognize you, even though you're not wearing your wig or any of your royal stuff. And all that I really have to go on is your face, which isn't that discernible from any other face. And then she goes, ha-ha, and just lets it go. So she just murdered a guy, and that's the end. She tainted, <laughs> she tainted her well because she allowed a man to die in it and then couldn't fish out this corpse. So the whole family died of uh, dehydration because of the sour water, and that's it was the mozzarella end. poisoning. <sighs> 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 
No, Moses gets out of the well, and then to say thank you, uh, every woman in the whole camp's like, hey, we should probably give this guy a bath. (laughs) They're old ladies, though. They're old ladies, and it doesn't count when it's Okay, you're right, you're right, because every Sunday after I get done preaching, I'm all sweaty and gross. All the old ladies come up in the back the bathroom, they just scrub me down, and I have to say things... You know how old ladies are, you know? And I have to say things like, um, you don't have to do this, ladies, please, I'm really... I'm really quite... No, not there, please. That tickles. Ladies, you've cleaned every inch of me. Whoa, I was wrong. Kids movie. (laughs) That and gross, Moses, that you discovered a new inch of you. That's gross. You You clearly were not bathing very well. They're using lava soap. No, they're not. They're using ivory soap because it floats. Um... Irish Spring. Old Spice. <laughs> it should just spray them down with Max. It wouldn't even have to give it a bath. Just, that's what you need. Essence by Luke. Essence. Yeah, just essence. spray them down with Max. Essence by Luke. <laughs> when you've been drowning in sand remember those commercials that came out in like 2012 where if you sprayed the axe a bunch of women would just come and follow you around (sighs) simpler times Jethro comes in he's like hey man thanks for saving my daughters all of them at one point or another thanks which you know good for Zipporah coming home going hey dad you'll never believe this but I was just watering my fields and all of a sudden magically I was transported to Egypt where I was given to the pharaohs but then this guy Moses uh, he wore a wig that was pretty weird but he let me go but don't worry dad I dropped him down a well everything's so. fine <laughs> but Moses and he says you guys should get married but Moses I, I do like this scene here because Moses is like I, I, he's Jethro's like you're a blessing you saved all my daughters and Moses goes I don't feel like a blessing Feel like a real jerk. No, <laughs> I don't feel like a blessing. He goes, "Oh, you're a blessing. First, you rescue Zipporah, then you defend my young daughters from brigands. You think that is nothing? Seems like you do not know what is worthy of honor." Then he starts singing that a single thread in a tapestry, though its color brightly shines, can never see its purpose in the pattern of the grand design. Basically, he's saying. Moses, you deserve to be honored because you think you don't deserve to be honored. And then the whole crowd sang the very poignant lyrics that that really spoke to me. They sang la 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 And eventually throughout this montage 80-year-old Moses is getting longer hair. Still no gray hairs or wrinkles, but he's getting longer hair. Uh, he's learning. He had a few wrinkles. It, it added a few Right, wrinkles. okay. One wrinkle. Um, it, 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 the, whole, the whole montage is so Moses can become a shepherd and um, marry, marry Zipporah. So from the start of this song to the end of the song, we have covered 40 years of history. Just in one song. Not that anybody looks older. Moses still looking like a spry. <laughs> so Moses gets married. Oh no, he gets married when he's like forty. Okay, right. 
And the whole scene ends with Moses going into a cave. To answer your question from last week, Scott, the burning bush is definitely inside of a cave. Yes, 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 yes. It is inside (laughs) of a cave. However, it is open on the roof. I'll give you that. That so it's not a so it's not a cave. It's not, You're a, not cave. a cave. He goes through a tight spot in the rocks and comes out to this special area, and it is not. That's a cave. weird because I'm looking at the or the official script and it says he walks inside a cave. That's a lie. You just made that up. Read it backwards. And blurry. I, I can't trust. <laughs> I can't trust that you're you right. didn't just write. You're that. right. I just I typed. It's I typed a, a 16 page document yeah. of the script. He has to go through like a cave like <laughs> tight spot. He had to go through the essence of a you cave. Cannot, <laughs> it is. You cannot a cave. A cave by definition, basically. I, shut up. Just up shut up for a second and enjoy my joke. That was funny. That's the funniest thing I said all night. <laughs> That he didn't go, I said he didn't go into a cave, he went into the essence of a cave. That was funny. (laughs) (laughs) And then God goes, take off your flip flops. (laughs) Blasphemy. Don't step on a pop top. The ground that you stand in is holy, you know. I'm a bush that is burning, and I'm really yearning to go back to Egypt, bring my people back home. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. Um, <laughs> and so he goes. You know, one of the questions I have here is with the burning bush, Exodus three one through Exodus four twenty two, is the burning bush, and they just gloss over this. There's so much more that they could have added to this scene that would have been really important and relevant to the movie. Cut some of the beginning out. Add more about this conversation with Moses and 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 uh, God here, um, and and why he's going to Egypt and what he needs to do. And Moses's kind of rebellion as to why he doesn't want to go. No, but I will say that they did get Moses's reluctance. Um, I mean, they did it really quickly, but he's like, "Hey, uh, I, I don't really want to go." I'm not a good spokesman. I did like when God was just like having enough of, of Moses for a second. Where he's like, who who made the, the voice yeah. to speak? Who made the mute mute? And he's getting kind of intense. I kind of liked that that scene. I was like, okay, yeah, they're going through it fast. But you still get the essence of the burning bush incident. The essence. <laughs> I liked the voice of God. They did that good. Okay, so Moses is like, God's like, I'll tell you what to say. And then Aaron's like, hey, do you guys need me for this scene? And God's like, no, not in this movie. You get out of here, Aaron. You go away. You don't come around here. You go. (laughs) Get. (laughs) So Moses goes back to Zipporah. And Moses is like, listen, the people, they they need to be freed. I need to do a great job. Which, by the way, uh, this movie Moses has way more faith than the biblical Moses at this point in time. I mean, he has no doubts, no worries. He doesn't need Aaron. Jeff Goldblum's like, I signed on for this. I'm going to go sell apartments now. You guys ruined it. And uh, 
I did. I did. I, I agree with you. I did not like what they did with Aaron, especially him as being like Moses's greatest critic, because it kind of robs yeah. him of the. Uh, I mean, he's he deserves some credit because he went with Moses up Aaron, to Pharaoh too and had to. Arguably, up until up until really the Red Sea, Aaron was the hero of Exodus. And God tells him that when Moses is like, can I have a speaker? He's like, fine, I'll send you Aaron, but you're going to have to share the credit. And then DreamWorks is like, nah, bro, don't worry about it. We got you, Moses. Aaron sucks. Moses goes back to Egypt, and Ramses is like, bro, missed you. They came up, do a little bro hug. They're like, everything's going to go back to normal. It's going to be Moses and Ramses. The essence of Pharaoh. And so, yeah, and then Moses is like, yeah, not really, man. Um, I, I kind of want you to free the Hebrews. And Pharaoh's like, no, nah, I don't really want to do that. Moses is like, okay, well, then I have to do this. And then he balances his stick up on there, and a snake comes out of it, turns into a snake, which I liked. I thought that was a pretty cool scene. I, I do like the showmanship of the magicians like it, it, it you know i'm sure they didn't do a song and dance number written by hans zimmer but you know they were probably very flashy and obviously using sleight of hand and and things like that but also like um what they did here where they said by the power of raw mutt nut cunum pata or, or ta uh nephthys whatever going through all the gods and uh that's awesome I, I yeah, love. I like they mentioned those. I love ancient Egyptian history. I've spent a lot of time studying these these gods, and they showed the symbols of the gods as they were saying their names. And this right here is the perfect foreshadowing because it's not on the nose, but it's still there by showing us frogs and the the locust gods and other things. We see or it's implied at least, that the coming plagues are going to take down Egypt's gods at the same time as taking down their rising sun and setting moon or whatever he calls himself. I really enjoy those scenes. But there was... I enjoyed this. This is probably one of my more favorite scenes of the entire movie right here. You and, see, uh, I, I there don't... Some good things. I, I, I like it, and I also don't like it, because it, it sets up this long montage where they go through all 10 plagues and a yeah. or all nine plagues in about six minutes we have an hour mm -hmm. and 45 yeah, like minute movie and you're going to dedicate six minutes to the plagues was there actually six this minutes is, of runtime on those plagues because I, I mean, felt like it was a lot shorter i mean i don't know uh i'm just saying they, they yeah they flew through the plagues. Yeah, they missed the mark with the plagues. They missed the mark with the burning bush as far as, as uh, time. Because there was more they could have done with that. Get rid of the beginning of the movie. Some of it. Add some more here. But I, but they do some, some cool things in this montage as well. Like when Moses turns the Nile into blood, uh, you just see a, a real quick... Or no, even before then with the, the, the snakes... Moses' staff turns into a snake and eats the magician snakes, but for like a real quick scene, Pharaoh puts his arm around his son. Mm -hmm. And so already you're seeing the connection between him and his son, and it just kind of hits home because you know what's coming. 
Yeah. And you know that they have this loving father and son relationship. And so it, it, I appreciated this from a dramatic standpoint because it allows us, a lot of times we just picture Pharaoh as this just nasty villain, and he is, but he's also a human being. And sometimes I think we forget that, but because of these little quick glimpses of him and his son, you can kind of sympathize with Pharaoh a little bit. And Pharaoh's like, okay, I'm going to double the Hebrews' work. So he's walking through the people hate Moses. Good, that's biblical. Great. Aaron comes out, and he's like, hey, uh, Moses' God's not that great. What he's really saying is our God's not that great because they're magicians. Their gods can do the same thing. Yeah. It's, why in the world did you put Aaron in that role? That makes no sense. Aaron's supposed to be right there beside Moses. It's, it's Aaron's rod that he throws down to turn into a snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. The, the they thing just could have they, they could have picked anyone, like literally any other person to create to play that role. Yeah. And yet they put Aaron in it, which just like any other person, fine. Yeah. I mean, they could have just left Aaron out and it would have been better. <laughs> and Aaron make him like would have been with Moses when they went to see Pharaoh. Which Zach is alluding to mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, that was that was poorly done. I mean, I, I don't like care that. if they're going to go to see Pharaoh or land Pharaoh or air Pharaoh. Aaron is supposed to be there beside Moses. They, For as short as they are, they do the plagues very well. The frogs come up and take over everything. Locusts come in, eat everything. You see the flies. You see the boils. You see suffering. And throughout this entire time, I thought that it, I, I can't decide whether I think it's cool or whether I think it's dumb. But Moses just finds cliffs throughout the entire plagues that are overlooking Pharaoh. Every plague. (laughs) He goes and finds himself a cliff, and he just stands up there like he's like Batman or something. Just, just, I am the knight. That's what I would do. And then we contrast Moses' faith and his strength to Pharaoh's just growing contempt. And then the only bad part about this entire plague sequence is that Moses and Pharaoh are singing about their lives, which, not great. Didn't like that. Don't need that. Just let me see some plagues. Um, but there's a part where they do this weird split face thing where half of, they show a full face, but half of the face is Pharaoh and half of the face is Moses. And then the face comes apart and Pharaoh and Moses face each other. Like they're trying. That was a cool. Do you show. think so? Because you know what it reminded me of? Yes, it, it reminded was. me of Harry Potter. No. And uh, the, oh, what's the last book called? Oh, ooh, um, Death. Yeah, Deathly Harry Hallows. Potter and Deathly Hallows Part Two, where Harry and Voldemort, who Ralph Fiennes again, who played Pharaoh, is standing up on the spire of Hogwarts, and Harry says something completely out of the books, or not in, not in the books whatsoever, where he goes, let's finish this like we started, together. And then he just, like, claws at his face, and then they fly around in a black cloud for some reason, and as they're running around, Harry's face and Voldemort's face mush together, and they do the same exact thing, where, like, it's, like, half Harry, half Voldemort, which led me to ask the question, is it in Ralph Fiennes' contract? That he has to do with half face with whoever is playing opposite of him. Because this is the second film that I've seen Ralph Fiennes in, really, besides like doing Batman, Lego Batman, and things like that. Uh, and he keeps doing this stupid, cheesy half face thing. Well, they the, the directors are like, man, what do we do here? They ran out of ideas in Harry Potter. And he's like, hey, back when I did 
prince of Egypt, we mashed our faces together and split them apart. He's like, we should do that here. So that's how they got it. Well, hang on just a second. Um, if you're going to quote Ralph Fiennes, Luke, I need you to just talk like Ralph Fiennes. I can't talk right now. You've got to talk like that. Hank. And did you just say that Ralph, the only thing that you saw Ralph Fiennes in was like Lego Batman? Yeah, he played. Uh, Ralph Fiennes has been in tons of I good know, stuff. I know, but recently the lonely, I have a two-year-old, man. That's all I ever see is kids' <laughs> movies. And, I, and I, I heard him as as Alfred in Lego Batman where he's like, Bruce Wayne, I'm your brother Alfred. I'm like, oh, Ralph Fiennes is in this. <laughs> um... Another cool scene from this Ten Plagues, Goshen, where the Hebrews live, is not in darkness. Another mm-hmm. good nod. As a matter of fact, there's a scene where he's walking the uh, the parapets of, of Egypt, and the pillars, and they're all in darkness. Moses is walking where he used to walk as a kid, but in the background you can see Goshen illuminated and the rest of Egypt completely dark. And I also like the conversation that ends this montage after the darkness when Moses and Ramses are talking with each other and Moses tries to convince Ramses to be reasonable. Basically saying, listen man, something worse than these plagues are coming. Uh, Something really bad is going to to come and I, I don't want you to have to go through that. He's saying, like, look, things bad things are happening here, bud. Can you can you just let us go? And Ramsey's like, nah. I'm not gonna let you go. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna kill a bunch of babies. Why? Why do you always go to that, Prince of Egypt? Why why is it always going to baby killing? Where in the, the text does it say that before the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh's like I'm going to go kill me some babies. I mean, did are you not going to call this as being on the nose? No, I, I am. Because he's clear. I'm, oh, definitely. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll let you continue. No, go ahead, please. I'm tired of talking on this podcast where I have two people that are able to talk. Scott. What? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's not in the biblical text, but his idea is, oh, I'm just going to kill all of your people and kill all of your babies. And the reality is, is like, that's what God's going to do to him. And then the most on On the nose nose scene in the world when his son shows up and where's his son standing? Oh, I don't know. Right in the middle of the baby crock pit on the hieroglyph wall. That's right. (laughs) Did you notice how the son said he was scared? Well, he's scared of the dark. Yes. I, see, I thought they were going to do something different there. I thought they were really going to try to to hammer home the sympathy mm-hmm. uh, angle for Pharaoh's son. Like, they were going to really humanize that kid. Like, Dad, I'm scared of the dark. And Ramsey would be like, it's okay, my boy. Let me kiss your bald head with your weird ponytail. Mwah. But that's not what happened. <laughs> Instead, what happened was, Dad, I'm scared of the dark. Is that Moses? Let's kill him, Dad. Me and you. <laughs> I got my switchblade. Let's knock him out. I'm like, okay. Yeah, the child has been ingrained. He just, he, <laughs> it's been ingrained. Ingrained. Oh, that was Moses. Moses was in a drain. He was a drain baby. Uh, his, <laughs> his thinking had been ingrained, and you could see they did a good job too, showing the uh, the uh, his did that as well. The child's face um, to kind of just show his disgust and anger toward Moses as well. So, in about. Five seconds of exposition, Moses explains the Passover. 
which again, you're missing a big opportunity there to kind of flesh it out just a little bit. But almost is like, hey, here's some blood. Put it up on your doorposts. And then what looks like oh, it scared me to death because the, the, the angel of death in this movie looks like a cup of spilt milk. And I just keep having flashbacks to my two year old. It looks like milk just spilled out across the sky. Yeah, I like I like, I like how they did too. it. I, I've I never don't hate it. About I always I always pictured that more individualistic like, and this is just kind of, and that was probably stupid on my part. But the mass of the the, the spirit or the wind or whatever is going through there, it, it was really neat. I like that. I feel like I've become like Luke. I'm saying I like that scene, and Luke's telling dirty jokes. Yeah, no, I thought they they did a good job, and it was very uh, it was very simplistic how they and I will say this for a movie that is as dark as it is, the whole just exhale every time the yeah. ghost went into the house of of just something that's simple, but you it's their life being yeah. sucked out of them, their soul, and that and that was creepily. The one scene effective. where the mom's holding her two children and the door kind of shakes a little bit and she holds them a little tighter and. Then it stops, and I, th- I thought that was a good portrayal. And I and I like how the the spirit would swoop through the streets and then get to a door, like it was rushing towards the door, and then it just stops when it saw yeah. the blood, and then it just turns. I mean, it really, I don't know, it it that that hit home. They did a great job with explaining the angel of death, and then following that the. The weeping in the morning that you could hear from Egypt being, or you could hear it uh, mm-hmm. rise up in the morning, and the heartbreak of of Pharaoh putting his son down on that 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 sulpicer. That was crushing to watch. It, it really was. I can't even begin to imagine putting a, putting a sheet over him. You know, I thought it was neat too how Moses walked in at that time, and you see him in this in this movie have such compassion. He's wanting to reach out and touch Ramses mm-hmm. on the shoulder, and of course he's like throwing the shoulder back on. Get out of here! Get your people out of here! Yeah. Technically, I think that scene is not biblical because uh, Moses says, I think after it's like the ninth plague, that he's never going to see Pharaoh's face again. In Exodus yeah. 10, verse 29. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I ain't going to bash it. Just one second, I'm sorry. But yeah, I think that's a good point, Scott. Yeah. Good point, Scott. I like that. So. I like that The scene. Exodus takes place and what a beautiful bit of animation this is where it kind of pans up and you think you see all the people and there's just even more people behind them and they're all moving the same direction and they've got their carts and you see a little boy uh, walking with his cows that made me smile a lot and then there's one really cool scene during this where the Egyptians are, or not the Egyptians, the Hebrews are walking past these two Egyptian guards, and you see it just for a second. 
they take off their Egyptian headdresses and they start walking towards or in the direction of the Hebrews, which again you can you're told that some of the Egyptians left with the Hebrews, like they became Hebrews themselves, leaving Egypt. But just to see that little detail that a lot of people miss in the Exodus story is really, really cool. And then they, and then mm-hmm. they ruin it all with the song that they sang. What? Oh, the stupid miracle song. How do you? Hate How do I song? hate that song? Because they, it's not what miracles are all about. The crux of this song is there can be miracles when you believe. No, not playing that game. <laughs> uh, uh, no. Who knows what miracles you can achieve? I know what miracles you can achieve. None. You can't do them. By the power of God. But I believe. I don't care if you believe. You can believe with all your might. It's not going to make it happen. What's miracles? Miracles are, by definition, God allowing a human supernatural abilities to prove that that human is a spokesperson for God. From the beginning of time, that is what miracles were for. That is what Moses' miracles were for. That is what Jesus' miracles were for. That is what the apostles' miracles are for. They are not good things that happen. I am so sick and tired of people going, Oh, I survived a car accident. What a miracle. No, it wasn't a miracle. Might have been providence. Might have been luck. Who knows? Only thing is, something natural in the world saved your life when you flipped your car. It was not a miracle. Oh, my baby was born. It's a miracle. No, it's not. It's a natural process that God set up at the beginning of time. Not a miracle. I don't care how much you believe. I don't care how great you are. I don't care. I do not care. No matter what you want to achieve in life, one thing you will never, ever, 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 for never, ever, for never achieve is performing a miracle. Stop singing this stupid song. I'm taking you up on this. Okay, so they've just witnessed 10 miracles, right? right? They... Miriam at least had faith that God Who was going to Who knows what miracles, miracles you can achieve? Are you going to say that Are you going to say that <laughs> miracles are contingent upon belief? They needed a line to rhyme in the song. Hold on, I'm looking up the lyrics. Many nights we prayed called? with no proof anyone could hear. In our hearts a hopeful hopeful song we barely understood. Now we are not afraid. Although, we know there's much to fear. That makes about as much sense as, as nothing. Um, well, I'm not afraid even though there's some stuff to fear. Oh, that's stupid. We are moving mountains long before we knew we could. There can be miracles when you, can, when you believe. Though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Not that hard. You guys lost hope in about five seconds. But whatever, we're not going to get into that. Who knows what miracles you can achieve when you believe somehow you will. What you will when you believe. No, you will not. Jesus says in the New Testament that you can move mountains if you have faith like a grain of mustard. That isn't referring to miracles. And I know you know that. What? I can do all things. Paul Paul said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, Okay, great. I believe with all my heart that I'm going to jump off the steeple of this church building right now and I'm going to survive. Go with your thought. (laughs) Not... I'm not going to break bones. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zach. That's horrible. I'm so sorry. I mean, no, they do They do such a good job with the miracles, and then they just ruin it with this stupid song. It's not like a literal, that's what they're saying. They're just singing a song about God's deliverance. 
Let's see, I'm going to read these now. And then listen to Zipporah saying this. You're going to agree with this line? I would love for you to agree with this line, Luke. In this time of fear, when prayers so often proved vain. No, the feeling. No. They're expressing the feeling of praying. And oh, not you're you're right because people lost faith. You're right because I and they felt like they were praying in vain, but in reality they weren't praying in vain because God was with them, and now these miracles have happened and have saved them. Oh, you're right. I missed that word here. In this time of fear, we were feeling that our prayers were often proved in vain. Nope, it doesn't say that. You can't. You can't fully explain all concepts in yeah a song. but you can sure do present a whole bunch of false concepts in a song can't you <laughs> and if you think about it that's how this really got started god heard the cries of his people oh but no those were vain prayers because who knows the, what miracles you can achieve when you believe somehow you will you will when you believe So there, I mean, to to interpret it that way, to take all the words literally is to miss like the message that's being taught through the entire movie, and that is that God's delivering them. Like, there's no question that that's what they're saying. They're not saying all this stuff just like randomly happened and they deliver themselves by miracles. Like, but I think that's they've already okay, attributed it look, to God, but, but, and they're, now they're singing this abstract piece of art. I'm sorry, did you translate? They, should get some literary freedom. Did you translate this Hebrew to... that the child sings? The Asherah Ladonai? No. That means you no. should read this song literally. We literally think that we can do miracles. <laughs> we believe miracles can I happen. I literally think that's I just a lie. changed the sky. It's green now because I believed. Yippee. God didn't do nothing. It was us. Ha ha ha. Golden calf. <laughs> this song was sung by Mariah Carey. <laughs> oh, okay, well then. Wow. So if you don't like it. You're a You're racist. Right. Um, for, forgive me. I mean, you got Mariah Carey. I mean, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. There can last line of the song. There can be miracles when you believe. Though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Oh, we read this mm-hmm. already. When you be, when you believe, somehow you will. Mm. Now you will. You will when you right. believe. You will when you believe. Just believe. Just believe. You will when right. you believe. Perfect. Um, if you've never performed any miracles wow. in your life, Zach, you probably don't have enough faith. You know, it's funny is I just told a, a person that's dying of cancer in my congregation <laughs> the same thing. I went over there, <laughs> smacked him right on the forehead. I was like, "Tumor's gone. It's gone." I felt it. Felt the power of Satan's tumor course through my arm. And then uh, doctor came in, did a little 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 cat scan. Said uh, the tumor's still here. And I was don't like, have "You faith. didn't believe hard enough. It's your fault." That'll be another $1,500 when we smack you again. He probably needs the prayer cloth. Did you get yeah, that? Yeah, and then I also uh, I started marketing my own uh, Uncle Zach's special miracle water, which it just comes out of a just comes out of the septic tank in my backyard. Essence, um, essence Uncle of Zach. Uncle Zach. The smell means it's working. <laughs> oh, Zachy. Zach. Okay. Do-do-do-do-do. All right, here's what the Hebrew is. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Who is like you, O Lord, among the celestial? 
who is like you, majestic in holiness. In your love, you lead the people you redeemed. In your love, you lead the people you redeemed. There can be miracles. Oh, look, again, they say this, but this time in hearable, or in hearable, Hebrew. <laughs> you know, all that Hebrew is really good. It's, it's almost a shame they didn't put it in English. Mm. I, I, it's a, no, it's a bad song. I you disagree. Know, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> so then they're walking, they get to the, as our neighbors to the south call it, the Roja Siholo. And, uh, what? <laughs> Roja Siholo. So they come up to the Red Sea, and then all of a sudden, who is it? Ramses. Spoiler alert. G- Ramses is there. <laughs> He's in a chariot, and he does not look. Do you like how? Oh the, man, he doesn't look happy. Hate to be on, like on Ramses' bad side. At that time, I mean, oh, they I kind of walk on flat ground to get there, and then Ramses appears at top of a ninety-degree cliff to bring his chariots down. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't have been able to show all his army and all they had to, if they had They had to reuse the cliff that they used in Lion King when the wildebeest came down the hill. Hmm. And then there was a moment where I started writing a note saying, hold on a second, Ramses is maybe 300 yards away when he pops his little head up over the hill like a like a gopher. Go. And I'm like... Like how are they, how how they could do how are they gonna get out of this one? What's gonna happen? This this isn't gonna work out very well for anybody. This is bad. Moses, you led you led them into the wow. the desert like to the die. Children, you don't have much faith. Yeah, but you know they did sing that hope is frail, but it's hard to kill. Makes no sense. Again, if something is frail, it is by definition easy to kill. Continue on. <laughs> yes, boss. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Ramsey starts tearing down the hill. And I'm like, that's it for Moses. Picture rap. And then God's like, hey, Moses, let's see something cool. And I was like, always. It's like, I'm going to show you what a real miracle is, seeing as you guys don't know, based on that song that you just sang. (laughs) (laughs) And all of a sudden, a pillar of fire tears down out of heaven and smacks the ground and creates this impassable barrier right in front of the Egyptians. Technically, the biblical says, or the biblical says, it was a cloud that stopped it. But I kind of dig the visual here. I like it. Don't have a problem with it. Then Moses gets in with his with his staff, and he smacks the the rock two times, and water comes out. And God says, "You ain't getting into Canaan." And that's the end. Wrong. And it's really cool. Red Sea's really cool. It parts. They walk and crossed on dry ground. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, credit for not making this like a, a two-inch body of water. No, I really wrote in my notes in big bold letters. Parting of the Red Sea is hey, awesome. Eat your heart out, Ridley Scott. I was wondering about today when I was watching the movie <laughs> again was the fire um, because I could remember the cloud in Exodus fourteen and um, nineteen. It talked about the pillar of the cloud went before before their face and stood behind them. And it came between this uh, camp of the Egyptians. And then the following morning, over in uh, verse 24, it says, The host of the Egyptians 
the Lord looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. Hmm. Well, well just, look at me. I'm wrong. Good job, yeah, Scott. I just, uh, you win. <laughs> hey, did you guys notice that... Um, yes, I did. The, the, I the did. whale... In I the forgot ocean, about that. In the Red Sea when it parted? There's a... Well, then you're stupid because it wasn't yes. a whale. It was a whale shark. Whale tails move up and down, and this one moved horizontally. Boom, back on top again. Smarter than y'all. Woo! <laughs> I just totally cut out. What was it? <laughs> Is a whale... It was a whale shark. You know that. They've got those... Whale tails move up and down. But the whale shark's tail moves side to side, and the shark and or in the the so fish in the movie, its tail was moving side to side. Sea? It was a it was a whale shark. Only when they are in the midst of the Red Sea Little does bait. Aaron finally approve of Moses. Did you notice that it took it took the parting of the Red Sea for for Aaron to be like, hey, <laughs> you're cool. <laughs> He's the first one to go in, too. Yep, that's great podcasting. Yawn away. <laughs> Nothing makes our makes our audience want to continue to listen than when the hosts themselves want nothing more to do with this show. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, I'm, I'm busy. There's this video on YouTube. Of You're a watching a video instead of podcasting. <laughs> This, no, 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 this is wrong. I am busy watching YouTube videos. <laughs> there's, a, there's a YouTube video of a guy wow. from Saudi Arabia in the Red Sea jumping off of a boat onto the back of a whale. Hey, anyway, good news, on. guys. They make it through the Red Sea. Everybody's hugging each other. Everything's great. Um, Sephora. Okay, no, I, I do have one thing real quick. Before they get out of the Red Sea... Yep. Moses is supposed to be leading these people, right? Then why is he in the back? The leader of wolf packs stay in the back that way. Okay, I forgot that Moses and the Israelites were wolves. I think they would have known which way to go. I'm a... a, a, Do do you? These are the people that immediately just started worshiping a golden calf. Don't give them the benefit of the doubt. They don't deserve it. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) How could you not walk or touch the sea and try to, like... Oh, I'm sure at least one dumb, dumb shimmy in the back over there is just trying to walk into the sea going, I think we're supposed to go this way. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Zach... I'm just, I'm just, I, I didn't know what was going to happen when I opened my mouth. I didn't know that a spot-on Hebrew impersonation was going to come out. <laughs> and so Moses comes across, his brother's bearing down on him. They're coming to the Red Sea, Moses is waiting for everybody to get across. He gets across, and then there's Ramses. And then for some reason, he is the only person in the world that can scream Moses as water is hitting him in the face. That's amazing. Um... <laughs> He's sitting there going, Moses! 
water hit him in the face. Did you notice one thing that and, got correct uh, with the biblical he wakes up on a, is the wheels. The one wheel came off the chariot. So they come up out of the Red Sea. Everybody celebrates. And Moses goes up, gets the Ten Commandments, and walks down, overlooks the Hebrews, and the movie ends. Now... You realize that down below there, and this happy ending, what uh, they're in the middle of having an orgy and worshiping he, he a golden calf, right? He didn't have the right? commandments with him at the end of that, did he? <laughs> did he really? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did, because I, I thought the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, that was the end of the movie. He's walking down. Yeah. They they do like this weird uh, panorama around Moses, and you see him look over the Hebrews, and then it ends. What a happy ending. Meanwhile, the Hebrews are down there getting nasty with a golden calf. <laughs> that is the only thing that I thought at the end of that movie. Going, eh, eh, oh. No wonder they just... It did ruin ruin the end. It was like it was such a nice ending, like if you didn't know what was going down there. But if you did, like... That's oh, yeah. All right. Let's get this rating out of the way. And Luke, let's start with you this week. What's your rating? Ooh, um, I thought the music was really good. I the actors were really good. The animation was really good. I liked the different art styles that they had, uh, and they seemed to mix it up throughout the show. I liked the ancient Egyptian history. I did not like what they did with Aaron. That would be my greatest gripe. I think everything else I can like excuse is like uh, creative license. But Aaron was not my favorite. But I did appreciate the fact that they put at the beginning of the show, not only that they had consulted the Bible, but they also gave you the name of the book where you could go read about it for yourself. So they weren't, like, really trying to hide anything. Um, I thought the entertainment value was good. I agree with our discussion about they could have cut some of the beginning and added to some of the other scenes. Like the Ten Plagues, like the Burning Bush, even the Crossing of the Red Sea, maybe. Um, but overall, thought it was pretty good. One of the best biblical movies that I've seen. Uh, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Scott, why don't you review this really this this torn. thing? <laughs> I really, cause I, a lot of times I watch these when I'm, like, before I go to sleep, when, when I go to bed. <laughs> um, it started out really slow, and and I didn't. I, I, there was just too much going on about what we don't know about, from biblically speaking, in the very beginning. And then they didn't do as much with the burning bush, and also with the plagues. I thought they could have done more with that. I really like the animation in this movie. There were some times that if you would just kind of take a quick glance, you'd glance, you'd have to kind of look back and go, was that real or not? Um, a couple things I really liked about that. Some things I didn't like. Um, I, I see. I felt there was some some biblical issues with this. Uh, Moses killed uh, killed the man in front of a lot of people. Um, I didn't take that from the biblical uh, from the biblical standpoint that he looked around to uh, think that people weren't watching. Um, there's other important things I think they missed, particularly with the burning bush. And I had I thought it was a cave myself. Um, but, you know, there were some things that happened there that showed the power of God with the leprosy uh, on Moses' arm, uh, also on the, uh, the snake, um, when it turned into a snake. Um, you know, if, if I would give this uh, a ranking on essence, uh, I would say it's okay. Um, the biblical part of it 
really bothered me because I thought it missed the mark. Uh, I gave it a 5.5, which to me is between not great and watchable. Okay. Zach, please share with us. Your Shut rating. up. You don't want to care what I say. Um, yeah, I'm with Scott. 45 minute long beginning was kind of boring. I mean, it was really boring. Like, really, really boring. Then they took Aaron and kind of shoved him in the back seat, and that was that was terrible. It redeems itself a little bit. It showed the plagues pretty well. Um, I truly think this movie could have been an hour and 20 minutes if they would have just cut down the boring beginning. It would have been fine. But, you know, one thing that this movie doesn't have that a lot of animated kids' movies do have that I think it missed out on is that it takes itself way too seriously for a cartoon. There's very little, if any, comic relief. And you're talking about one of the darker stories in the Bible. If you're trying to teach kids about these stories, don't sugarcoat the Bible. I'm not saying that. Present the darkness, but at the same time, I don't see Joseph sitting down and being entertained by this movie for an hour and 45 minutes. So I think they missed the mark on who they were trying to target. That being said, it's not rotten by any stretch of imagination. It was watchable. It was uh, fairly entertaining after the first hour. I'll give it a six and a half. And the rating for this week comes up to a certifiable righteous rating of seven. Oh, so there you have it. Prince Egypt is a certified righteous seven. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Rotten or Righteous. Continue to uh, like us. <laughs> Please, we need it. <laughs> Please just, please like us. We promise we'll be better. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. You can, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. We're the Right and Righteous Podcast. And if you do look us up on uh, iTunes, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us find a larger audience. We're also available on Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio as well as on SoundCloud. Visit our website at RottenerRighteous.com. See what's going on over there. Or, uh, and or, I should say, you can uh, send us an email if you want to for some reason. We've got one of those. They're free. Rottenerrighteous at gmail.com. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I apologize for this one. This one, this one, this one hurt. Don't we always apologize? No, I don't, we because last make... week's was actually good. Oh, but this we week, just make that standard practice look, at the end of every one. This one's gonna yeah, be good. Yeah, I know, Luke. I know, because I kill myself to make it good every week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I, I mean, I'm not sorry, but I'm in, I'm, I mean, I want to show the essence of of sorry. <laughs> essence. Thanks for watching. All Peasant. right. <laughs> With that, that's going to be the end. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. For Luke, for Scott, I am yes. <laughs> I am Zach Geiler. But real quick, before we go. <laughs> I am Zach Geiler. 
before uh, I left the house, my wife asked me if I could put the dog out, and I responded, I didn't know it was on fire. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> and for some reason, we're going to be back next week. In the week after that, the week after that, why? Why are we doing this to you and us? Why? <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. I'm sorry. I need to bring it back up again. Um, real no, quick. I, I need to bring this back up again. Come on, Zach. You got this. Muster your inner dad. Hey, uh, Scott, do you know how uh, Penguin builds its house? It glues it together. All right. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much. I love you. I don't I get know. the joke. Scott had to grow up fat. <laughs> nope. Scott had to grow up fat because being skinny just wasn't an option. <laughs> 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 it's like growing up poor. Scott. <laughs> Scott had to grow up fast or get dead quick. <laughs>